Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA Live. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be answering your questions. And by the way, people have asked what AMA stands for, and it stands for Ask Me Anything. So dive in, fire away, put your comments in with questions, and we will get to them. All right, the first question up is from Ben Wimboim. This is from Facebook. Hi, Tom. Despite your strict routine and bright lines, is it still possible for you to occasionally lose control over your day? What are good techniques for preventing day-to-day chaos from disrupting order? All right. The very short answer is no. I don't lose control of my days. I don't let the day-to-day chaos get in my way. And the reality is that it comes down to identity. Like right now, this is day five of a water-only fast. And I'm not talking about a Ramadan-style fast where you eat at night. I'm talking about round the fucking clock. I'm not eating anything but water and salt. That's it. Those are the only things that I'm imbibing. So that already is a massive stressor. And as I'm sure you guys can hear in my voice, I'm getting sick or something and I'm sleeping terribly, coughing all night, it's absolute mayhem. And yet, nonetheless, I'm still getting everything done. And by the way, I like to think right now, you guys can feel the energy. That is because at the end of the day, my identity demands that I not break fast until it's time to break fast. My identity demands that I push and generate energy and get to a point where I'm performing at the highest level at all times regardless. That is a cultivated thing that has everything to do with who I want to be. Now, at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is what you think about yourself when you're by yourself. In those quiet moments, there is nobody around to impress. There's no posturing to be done. What do you think about yourself? Once you realize the power of feeling good about who you are in those quiet moments, you will do anything to act in accordance with the person that you need to become in order to feel good in those moments. And I know if I, like today, I walked by a bag of macadamia nuts and a voice in my head screamed, you could have some of those macadamia nuts. No one would ever know 
And I had to laugh because I know I'm never going to give in to that. I'm just not. It's, again, my identity is so strong and I've spent so much time and energy cultivating it. There's just no way because I know what I lose, which is I wouldn't feel good about myself when I was by myself. You guys might not realize there's any difference, but I would know. Today in the shower, um, Lisa and I were together and she was like, oh my God, that's right. I totally forgot you were fasting because I haven't been complaining about it, which normally I do in fairness. I haven't been complaining about this fast. Um, I've, I think I've gotten really good at fasting at this point. So I haven't been complaining about it. I haven't been talking about it. And she had completely forgotten that I was fasting. And I thought, here's another one of those times. She doesn't even realize I'm fasting. So at the end of the day, this is for me. It's not for anybody else. So not letting the chaos of the day take you away comes down to you. What do you want to feel about yourself? What are you trying to accomplish? That, at the end of the day, is what's important. Now, I want to talk about something that's been on my mind, which is there's a very famous phrase, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And I remember I used to live in accordance with that. And when my bosses were gone, whoever that boss was, and there have been times where my boss was essentially my employees, right? Nobody's looking, or my boss, back in the day, a traditional boss. And when they were gone, it was like, ah, oh, I can relax. Let me tell you right now, if you have the instinct to relax when the people that are supposedly watching you are away, you don't have the intrinsic motivation that you need in order to see something through. I so want to build this fucking studio for my own reasons. It's inside of me. Nobody has to tell me. And you don't have to own a company to get that. But like Seth Godin says, be a linchpin. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. But everybody, to really enjoy your life, there should be something that you want so badly that it's worth going after. To me, that's, that is fulfillment, that there's something that is hard. It's hard to obtain. But you believe in it so much, and it gives you so much energy when you pursue it, that you're going to go after it no matter what. Build that thing into your life, man. Like go experience enough stuff so that you find that thing that's interesting enough to you that you're really gonna go in, double down, and get great at that. That's why Seth Godin calls a linchpin an artist. It's somebody who, regardless of whether or not the cat is there to watch the mice, the mice are being diligent, they're working hard because they want to feel like an artist when they're by themselves. They want to know that they're thinking of solutions, pushing themselves, improving their capabilities. All of that for yourself. That's what it means to be an artist. So become an artist in your own life if you want to really fall in love with it. All right, next question from Robert Arroyo, Facebook. How do you control your mind and not allow people's opinions of you to dictate your life? All right, this one is really easy to explain and I get how difficult it is to actually do. As humans, we want to connect with other people, we want to be appreciated and liked, that, that is universal. But at the end of the day, you can't care more about what people think of you than you think of yourself. And that needs to become the mantra that you build into your life. In fact, the theme of today's episode, I'm gonna say, is taking control of your life. And these first two statements are all about that, or these first two questions. You can't control your own life, you can't control your own mind, if you allow yourself to care more about what other people think of you than you think of yourself. So that needs to be the compass by which you steer. Now, that doesn't mean that it isn't going to suck when people disapprove of you, 
They say they don't like what you're doing. Man, that's hard. I'm telling you right now, that is still hard for me. And this is something that I put a lot of energy into. But at the end of the day, even when it stings, even when it hurts, I know I need to be true to myself. I need to be true to my vision. I need to be true to what gives me energy, what I'm trying to accomplish, my goals, the things that I've really thought about that I'm sitting with. They're a part of me. They're a part of my identity. They are what I want to do and become. Now, if somebody's trying to knock me off that path by criticizing me, even if it hurts, I know what I'm trying to accomplish in my life. I know what I want to feel about myself in my life. And I let that be the barometer by which I judge the state of things. I let that be my true north by which I steer. The more I think about it, the more I'm coming to the realization that what you think about yourself is the ultimate goal. It's the ultimate thing. It's the ultimate reward or punishment. But what you think about yourself is at the end of the day, the single most important thing. And so beginning to have a relationship with yourself of sitting quietly, and this may be one of the reasons that meditating is so important, that you can actually sit quietly, think about who you are now, what you think about yourself, who you want to become, what price you're willing to pay to get there, and then actually going down that path to become that person. That, at the end of the day, is the thing that is going to bring you happiness and fulfillment. But you really have to think about who you want to become and to not be trapped by your past. But do that. Put time and energy into thinking about what do I want to think about myself? And quite honestly, what do I think about myself right now? If you steer by that, it becomes very easy to ignore other people. Next question is from Victor Marquez. This is on Facebook. How do I continue to push? How do you continue to push, perhaps? How do you continue to push if your health, no matter how much you try and how strong your mind is, continues to stop yourself from progressing? Then you need to address your body. This is a perfect question. This is exactly what Lisa's going through. That woman is so mentally tough, it is terrifying. I actually worry sometimes that she doesn't know when to stop. That's me saying that. So when I'm like, whoa, this person does not know when to quit, they don't know when to relax and take a break, you know that they're hardcore. And my wife is uber hardcore. And the reality is that her body is simply not as strong as her mind. And so she needs to take that powerful mind and aim it at solving the problems of her body. And that is what you need to do. You've got some health issues, something going on that you need to address. And to feel weak because your body is weak is a mistake. You need to understand this is addressable. This is something that I can fix and I'm going to have to go out and learn about it. And to get your body right is incredibly important. The body and the mind are all part of one ecosystem. So if your body is weak, however strong your mind is, it is not optimized. And so focusing on your body, getting that in a good place is absolutely critical. And that, by the way, is why we started the show Health Theory. If you guys aren't already on that tip, get on it. Health Theory is powerful. It is a must. What day does it come out? Anybody? Every other Thursday. All right, every other Thursday. And if you guys love it and are engaging with it, then we'll start making it every Thursday. But getting your body and your mind in sync, optimized, that, that is the key. So focus on your body, get it right. All right, next up is Coyote? Coyote Prophet? 
That is amazing. I want to believe that's a real name. Coyote Prophet from Facebook. <clears throat> hey, Tom, have you ever thought of working with the prison population or developing a program for prisoners, especially those coming back into society? I actually have thought about this, never very seriously, but I've always been captivated by the um, Folsom Prison concert that Johnny Cash did. I thought that was amazing. Um, I don't know how useful I would be and I think that it would be a lot of energy. And that's the only thing that's really stopped me. And um, you guys know I'm haunted by Jeffrey Canada's words. And he said, you have to give up on adults. Forgive me, I had to take a, a swill of beverage there. Um, and that if you really want to have long lasting impact to focus on kids, because you can hit them at the age of imprinting. So this is something that that's really stuck with me. So I I am heartbroken for how bad the system is. I am heartbroken that people that get sucked into that system, um, not only do they not seem rehabilitated, it seems to try to optimize them for hardening up, getting tougher. Um, they're around other criminals in a criminally minded place that spits you out where you don't have a lot of opportunities. So man, is it a system that hopefully somebody will disrupt. I just don't know that uh, my particular message is the message that's going to disrupt them. Um, but it is something, if I'm honest, that I, do, I am intrigued by and to see if I could possibly have some impact there it would be interesting. It's not my focus right now, uh, but that would be interesting. All right, Edmund Dantes, YouTube. Hi, Tom, as I'm getting older, I realize just how much time I've wasted in the wrong mindset. How do I reconcile that and use it to my advantage without allowing it to bury me in guilt? Thanks. Okay, the very simple answer is, if you're gonna do everything based on your goals, okay, my goal is to achieve this, awesome. Then ask, does burying myself in guilt help me get there, yes or no? If it does, bury yourself. My experience is that it absolutely does not, that while 20% of your time can go to that to be like, I'm never fucking going back there again. I'm never going to make that mistake again. And thusly, I am so open-minded to new ideas. I'm not going to become dogmatic even about what I think is my growth mindset. I'm going to be open. Whatever moves me forward, I'm going to do. Let me tell you, if somebody convinced me tomorrow that a growth mindset is bullshit, I'll switch and I will have no problem coming here looking dead in the eye of everyone out there in audience land and saying, I was wrong. I'll tell you right now, the book So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport changed my entire rhetoric and just belief system around passion, 100%. And the next day, boom, here it is. Oh my God, this guy's enlightened me. Like never ever become dogmatic because that's what serves your goal. So if you know that that's what serves your goal, don't allow yourself to bury yourself in guilt. It doesn't make sense. So that is, that's such a relief for me when I realize that something doesn't make sense, beating myself up over something that I did or didn't do in the past. It doesn't make sense, not beyond the 20%. And the 20% is really just that nudge that you need in the ribs to stay focused, to get going. It isn't about beating yourself up. It's about making sure that you're still motivated to keep pushing and moving forward. That's it. All right. Greg Covey, Facebook. Thanks, Tom, for all of the amazing content. How do you figure out what goals are worth pursuing? Where do you begin if you're trying to figure out your why? Okay. So this really comes down to understanding what is giving you energy, more energy than it takes. It's not going to be the same for everybody. 
it comes down to resonance, what resonates with you. So you need to experience a lot of things. This is why I think Kevin Kelly's notion of don't prematurely optimize. Burn that into your psyche. Don't prematurely optimize. Go out, experience a lot of stuff, fumble around, waste time, get lost, backpack, don't worry about making money, just experience, experience, experience. And in that, you will find something that piques your interest. You find that it captures your imagination, that you're intrigued to dive into a deeper. Then do that, dive into it deeper, explore it more fully, fully. See if it's becoming a fascination, if it's becoming a fascination. Then you can really go down the process of turning it into a passion. But that requires, again, to our boy Cal Newport, that requires that you go down the path of actually gaining mastery. I think passion is like love. There's, I don't think you're truly in love if it's one-sided. Love is about this give and take, it's an exchange. The same is true of passion. Unless you're actively gaining mastery, unless you're getting good at that and able to put that to use in the real world, and you see, by gaining these skills, I'm able to actually manifest my will in the real world in a way that helps other people, that's when it becomes a passion. So focus on that. So I think that you need to um, do that, experience a lot of things, and then when something really piques your interest, you go down that path, but don't prematurely optimize. All right, people are wishing me birthday wishes, which I've tried to like be uber low key about. So how do people even know it's my birthday? I have killed every single piece of content that says it's my birthday. Interesting. I've even lied about my birthday on Facebook. Thank you. That's incredibly kind and generous. I don't take it for granted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Very, very generous. Um, next question is from Kevin Nilo. This is Facebook. Hey, Tom, what's your best advice for someone just graduating from college with no sense of direction and no job? Go get lost. Go explore. Go do things that interest you. Dive deep. Don't prematurely optimize. So this is something that I think is missing in people's lives today. If you don't know what you want to pursue, then don't start pursuing something with all your might. It is very okay to be dirt poor. It is very okay to be broke. Like in that early period of your life, your early 20s, man, it is so okay to not be making a lot of money as long as you're able to eat and you would be startled by how little money that takes. It's okay. Go out, discover play, bumble around, do whatever it takes to begin to discover the things that really give you energy. That will serve you incredibly well because feeling alive, that's the name of the game. All right, Adrian Garcia, YouTube. Tom, pleasure meeting you at WonderCon. My man, amazing. You have all the love from my heart right now. Thank you for coming by. My question is, <coughs> excuse me, how do you start the process of changing a culture in the workplace? When do you decide whether to cut people if they don't fit the culture? Man, now you're asking the, the hard questions here. So the reality is that this is something that I'm still exploring. I'm going to give you my logic, but I think Ray Dalio is the man to listen to here. I think he just, in his book, Principles, lays out all the nuance of how you do this. The reality is, number one, you have got to have people that are so obsessed with finding out the truth, for their own reasons, by the way, 
that they want to live in a world where they're able to improve themselves and becoming able to improve yourself has everything to do with identifying the truth of where you are. What are you good at? What are you not good at? That's really, really critical. So you need to be, everyone in the organization needs to be willing to say the truth and they need to be willing to hear the truth. Oftentimes people are willing to say and they're not willing to hear or, and I actually find this is super common, they're willing to hear the truth but they're not willing to say it, which oddly enough may actually be more um, typical than the reverse. People have a really hard time saying something that they they worry will hurt somebody else's feelings. That has certainly been my struggle. I am way more ready to hear the truth about myself than I am to like say the hard things to other people. That's so uncomfortable. But that's what you have to demand in your organization. Now, the easy one for me to know when to let somebody go is do they make the place better or worse? If they make the place worse, if they're toxic, if they're gossipy, um, if they're just pissing and moaning, which this is another thing from principles. This is so fucking important. If you have a critical thought, even if you don't say it, you must verbalize and tell people that critical thought. Otherwise, that stuff turns toxic. So if somebody is toxic, if they're making this a worse place to be, then they got to go. That's the simplest way. Now, I will just, again, encourage you to go read Ray Dalio's brilliant book, Principles, which is for sure the single most powerful business book I have ever read in my life. Read it. All right, next question from Crafty B YouTube. Hi, Tom. You always say that you punish yourself if you don't follow through on something. How exactly do you punish yourself and for how long? I find I can't stop for days. Um, So I definitely would not punish myself for days. That is, again, going back to what's your goal? Does punishing yourself for days um, move you towards that or move you away from it? Chances are it moves you away from it. I only allocate about 20% of my time to anything negative, let alone punishment. But it's not even always punishment. It's thinking negative thoughts, thinking about the people that hate me or want me to fail, whatever. Um, I never spend more than 20% of the time in that darkness. So my punishments are very acute, uh, very short-lived, but it comes down to, honestly, I built my identity and my expectations for myself so um, acutely, they're so clear, crystal clear in my mind, like the other day. Um, and, and in fact, part of punishing myself is admitting this to you guys. It was like, I don't know, day three or day four of the fast. I was just fucking tired, man. I just felt so unenergetic when my alarm went off. I'd been coughing all night. It was just lame. And I didn't get out of bed in 10 minutes or less, which is like a hard and fast line that I hold myself to. And so I was disappointed. And I was like, man, this is some bullshit. Like you're accepting excuses. And I, because I wasn't living up to who I say I am and who I want to be, it felt bad. And that is the punishment. Like it's just, my identity is so clear to me. And the way that I wanna feel about myself when I'm by myself is so clear that when I don't, when I miss that mark and I don't get to feel good about myself, it's, it's an opportunity cost. It's that like, man, I could have felt really good in this moment, but instead I feel bad. Like, that's it. It's not, um, I don't, you know, grab a whip and self-flagellate myself or anything like that. It's just, I know that I'm disappointing myself. I know that I didn't do what I said I was going to do. I know that that, however mild it is, has a knock-on effect to the team and I'm not going to be able to accomplish as much as I want. I know then that when I go push the team that I'm going to feel a little bit conflicted about that because I said I would get up in 10 minutes or less and I didn't. So it's like 
it all has to mean something to you. Once it means something to you, once you've baked it into your identity, once you really live by that shit, once it's all a part of how you think about yourself, then all of a sudden the punishment happens by itself. And I just don't try to stop it. I don't try to hide from it. I don't try to run from it. I accept. I said I was going to do it. I didn't do it. That sucks. Bad on me. I do not look well on that in my own life. And so, yeah, it doesn't feel good. And that's it. That's the punishment that I do. All right. Not of, not of Michael Sagiv. I'm butchering that one. My apologies. This is from Facebook. Tom, how did you develop cutthroat awareness without lying to yourself about what you need to do? This one is very easy to answer. I introduced the word yet. I introduced the word yet. So when you realize that you're not good at this and you add the word yet, I'm not good at this yet, suddenly it frees you up. I could get good at this if I wanted to. My identity is not tied around who I am. It's tied around who I'm willing to become and the price I'm willing to pay to get there. It's not around being right, being good, being worthy. It's around being willing to admit that I'm not yet the person that I need to be. It's being willing to stare at my inadequacies. It's that. It's priding myself on identifying the right answer instead of trying to be right. Those are the things that if you make those changes in your life, it becomes very easy to be honest with yourself because being honest with yourself, when you realize that you're wrong, it becomes an opportunity to be right. So at the end of the day, it's all driven by that goal. I want to get there, but I can't get there if I'm lying to myself, if I'm blind, if I don't know what's wrong. So when you really want that goal and you insert the word yet, all of a sudden it becomes very easy to be very, very honest. <coughs> all right, next question is from Pranjal Raman. This is on Facebook. How receptive should I be to the opinions of others of me when I firmly believe I'm doing the right thing for myself. So I think it is always good to scan the opinions of other people, even when they are hostile, even, even when they are of, um, overtly meant as an attack, to really look at that and say, is there any truth in this? Here's the great news. When people attack you, they almost always go for something real. It is very rare that somebody tries to attack you for something that isn't real. So really look at that thing and figure out, okay, is there some truth in here? Is there um, something that I can address? Because if they're hitting you with something that's true and that if you fixed that you'd be in a more powerful position, then it's very wise to listen to the opinions of other people. Having said that, you need to think more about yourself and you need to trust your vision more than you worry about what other people think. It's gonna sting when people don't like what you're doing or don't believe in you or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you look at it and there's truth, take the truth, make an adjustment, don't worry about anything else. It's just that's going to make you more powerful. If there's no truth in it and it stings, then just let it go and focus on what it is you're trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, this is all being driven by the goal. So if something they say can help you get the goal, you're going to take it. If something they say hurts but can't help you reach your goal, you're going to ignore it. It's that simple. Next question is from Ludovic Adam. What are three simple good habits you have that help you take control. Number one, diet and exercise. I cannot stress that enough, man. You've got to optimize your mind because when your mind is suboptimal, you're just going to be all over the place. Next, sleep. When you're fatigued, like, again, you're going to be all over the place. You're just going to have a really hard time getting control of your emotions. And then number three, um, 
learning about the brain, really understanding the way that it works, understanding that your brain is basically three separate layers. You've got the what they call the lizard brain, which is the oldest brain. On top of that, you have the mammalian brain, which is in charge of your emotions. And on top of that, you have the neocortex, the thing that makes you uniquely human, which is the ability to control your impulses. So literally, the neocortex and understanding how it interacts with emotions and the uh, lizard brain, the, the fight, flight, freeze uh, response, that like tactically is the most important thing that you need to do. For me, being able to envision that, understanding what that process is, knowing what's going on neurochemically, that's one of the things that's really helped me get control of my mind. Um, I could go on and on, having good habits, uh, bright lines, all of those things are incredibly important. But those three things I think are so rudimentary and fundamental, and I think people overlook them, especially the first two. People really, really undervalue the need for diet and exercise to be totally on point. And then in this like hustler mentality world, uh, people don't think you need sleep. And I just call total bullshit on that. I prioritize sleep. There was a time in my life where I was getting six hours sleep naturally and it was awesome. And I was just waking up and then literally overnight, I switched to getting like eight hours sleep. I have no idea why, what changed, um, but I didn't try to stop it. I didn't set an alarm. I didn't do anything to mess up my sleep. If I need eight hours, I'm going to get eight hours. Simple as. So do those three things, uh, and I think that you will be in a great position to take control. Edis Mustafa, YouTube. Hi, Tom. How do I stay optimistic after constant failures. For the past five years, ever since I came to a new country, it's been failure after failure. For the first time, I'm starting to doubt myself. All right. So failure is simply an information-rich data stream. Once you understand that, it is information-rich. The whole point of a failure is what information am I getting out of this? Once you understand that it's meant for you to be taking out the information and getting better and holding yourself to a standard of learning, growing, doing discipline practice, actually improving, then hopefully, no matter how many failures you've had, you realize each failure is making me a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better. And you just need to figure out where do I think that breaking point is? So what is it that I'm trying to do? How long do I think it's going to take me to amass a skill set that I need to get there? All of that is absolutely critical. Remember, this shit takes a lot of time. Even when you're going all out, it's going to take a long time. So don't start panicking. Five years in is nothing. At the five-year mark of my entrepreneurial journey, I was still an absolute moron. I knew nothing. So knowing that even going all out, even with an F patience mentality, it is still going to take a lot of time. You always have to be playing the long game. So the only reason I would doubt yourself is if you don't think that you're taking the time to learn. And if you're not taking the time to learn, I would say immediately, immediately switch up your pitch. Stop every time a failure happens. Really break down what happened, what went wrong, remembering that it's all your fault and figure out what you could have done differently so that you do it differently next time and have a higher chance of being successful. All right, next question is from Robbie Gutless. I'm guessing that's not a real name. And everybody knows my rant on be careful what screen names you choose because reinforcing gutlessness in your mind is not great by my estimation. All right, hello again, Tom. How do you become and remain humble? More specifically, how do you not let your ego get in the way and self-sabotage? All right, 
man, maybe it is just me, but I've failed so many times in my life that staying humble just is not difficult. So that's just like my default setting. I've just fucked up too much. So I don't have any um, grandiose visions of myself. Now, every now and then, I'll be crushing it really fucking hard and I'll think, oh my God, like I am so good at this. And in those moments, I built in a mechanism where I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Feel that, really embody that confidence. This is amazing. This is gonna serve you well. Then on the other hand, Make sure you really look at what if secretly you're actually an idiot and you're really doing this wrong. Remember to me, being uh, an idiot, being stupid, none of that is like some permanent state about who I am. It just means that I don't have information that I need. I haven't learned something that I need to learn. So like I'm loving the confidence. I'm feeling that's amazing. But now I need to also check myself and like, ooh, what, what if everything that I'm thinking is wrong? Like what if there's just a massive dollop of luck in this? And really checking yourself against that, I think is incredibly powerful as a mechanism. Now, remember, I just don't need that to stay humble because in any given day, I have so many little failures that it's like, eh, like I just get it. Like the human animal is, is not that impressive. So you're gonna fuck up and you're gonna make mistakes and you are prone to biases and all of that stuff. So yeah, just, I don't know. It's so self-evident to me to not get too full of myself um, and the dangers that lie therein. And here's a big part of it, like connecting with other people and really understanding not only my humanity, but their humanity and that nobody's perfect. That's I, like, that's a beautiful thing to me. And I love that. And I don't want to feel separate from other people. And so feeling like, oh, I'm this, uh, you know, super cool guy that's like achieved all this stuff. Like, if that made me feel separate from other people, I wouldn't jive on that. So it just makes me feel disconnected. Also, it gives me anxiety because I know that around the next corner, I'm gonna make some big catastrophic mistake. That's just my life has shown me that over and over and over. So since I know some huge embarrassing mistake is coming my way, um, being connected with people, being authentic, being real, being vulnerable, uh, it's just way better for my anxiety levels. That's it. Anna Cecilia, Facebook. Tom, I have a hard time overcoming fear, fear of failure, and not being able to get and accomplish my goals. How do I conquer fear? What helps you move through it and not get stuck because of it? I know that the struggle is guaranteed and success is not. Since I know that to be true, I really focus on making sure that the process is thoroughly enjoyable, that I'm loving what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis, that I'm loving the people that I'm around, that I love what I'm striving towards, but that my happiness, my fulfillment, my joy, my energy is not in any way, shape, or form tied to actually crossing the goal. It's tied to sincerely pursuing it. Now, that's the key. It's not about faking it. I'm fucking here to build this studio. Let me tell you right now, with every ounce of my being, I have poured my soul into achieving that goal. I'm going all out to make that a reality. But at the same time, I know that I may never achieve it, and that's fine. But I'm sincerely chasing it, and I'm really enjoying the process. And at the end of the day, those are the two things that matter. Louis Christine, this is YouTube. Hey, Tom, how do you make sure you retain the books that you've read? <coughs> Sorry about that. How do you make sure that you've retained the books that you've read? Uh, I've been doing a 52 books for 2018 challenge, and I'm still on track, which makes me proud, but I'm afraid I don't retain everything. All right, so first and foremost, you're not going to retain everything, so don't even worry about that. But 
if you're taking notes, if you're really stopping to think about the things that are powerful in that book, and then the most important part, you put them to immediate use in your life. You'll be startled by how much you retain out of that. But don't make your goal getting to the 52 books in 2018. Make your goal to learn as much as you can from those books while reading as many as you can and still getting the nuggets out of it that are going to empower you. But oftentimes, I may only take two or three things away from a book that really stick with me, um, at least with my mind. That's just the way it goes. And I take copious notes. So... But that's just the way that it goes. Oftentimes, I'll encounter those same ideas from other people, and that helps more things accumulate, accumulate over time. Um, but that's why, like, for instance, I, on, I'm pretty much always reading a book on mindset of some kind so that I've got it, like, from a thousand different angles. So if I'm only taking two or three things, like, permanently away from any one book, those things begin to compound. And over time, over years, over decades, all of a sudden, you've got a whole lot of information. And remember, I'm trying to put those things to immediate use. If I read something at 9 a.m., by 9.30, I'm trying to use it in some way. So use it, use it, use it. That's really the key. Simland, what is up, dude? Facebook, how are you going to break your five-day fast? Just had my own five-day one a few days ago. Well, congratulations to making it to the end of your fast. And I'm going to be doing my favorite meal, which is protein nachos. So I take Quest protein chips. Look, yes, it's my company, but that's actually what I eat. Um, so this is not just a shameless plug. But I'm going to take Quest protein chips. And on top of that, I get Domino's pizza, but I scrape the toppings off. So I don't eat any of the... Um, any of the crust. So, and I take that and then, um, and I should say my wife takes that. She does this all for me. She is amazing. And she spreads out the chips, spreads out the um, toppings from the pizza, which is a pepperoni and black olive pizza. So it's cheese, pepperoni, black olives. And she puts that on top. Then she sprinkles more cheese, especially so it all sticks together. And then so that it gets crispy at the edges, which is so delicious. And then I um, use those as dipping mechanisms for guacamole and it is so good and i'm a little traumatized that you're asking me that now because i'm hours away from breaking that fast and that is making me really hungry um but that is how i will break that fast i'm super excited about that i don't cheat so i'm not gonna you know break oh actually um i am gonna cheat because it's my birthday as you guys know and not today but tomorrow i'm going to see ready player one and so that's going to be a lot of fun. And um, because I'm doing that, I'm going to have popcorn. So that will be my one cheat. But that is not how I'm going to break my fast, which today I'm going to break with the protein nachos. All right. So funny. Now my stomach is like grumbling. All right. Uh, Sam Montoya Q. YouTube. Hey, Tom, what would you say is your biggest gap in your life right now? And how are you working on filling that gap? Dude, I have no fucking idea how to build this studio. That is the truth, right? I am figuring this out as I go. I have a very strong vision for how I think it's going to work. But every time I encounter something, I realize, oh, actually, I was thinking wrong about that. Oh, I need to adjust here. Um, so that is really the thing. And I think building my network is going to be super, super critical. 
And, oh man, it's so powerful. The number of people that um, have begun introducing me to other people like in comics. I just started telling everybody, step one of building the studios, building comics. People have come out of the woodwork. They're so generous to tell me, like these are the people that you need to talk to, people that have now consulted for me. Um, Jim Kruger, who's an Eisner award-winning writer. Thank you to Oliver, um, who introduced me. He's now come on board. He's now introducing us to other writers and artists. It's so fucking incredible. So anyway, that's my biggest gap. I'm filling it by A, telling everybody what I'm up to. I find that people are super weird about this, but you wanna tell everybody what you're up to. That way they know in case they have some connection that you need, they could put you in contact with that, help you out. Building out my network, super, super important. And being so open to being so wrong. Knowing that, hey, I've got this vision. I think it's gonna work. I'm feeling really good about it. But if it's not, I'm changing in a heartbeat. I'm taking people's information, advice. I'm learning from the people that I go pitch. And I think this is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. But then figuring out why they said no. Like, for instance, I went to Warner Brothers DC and I said, hey, let me have the rights to the Matrix comic book. And I'm going to revitalize the franchise. It's going to be amazing, which, by the way, tomorrow is the anniversary of the release of The Matrix. We're doing a big Matrix party here today. I'm very excited. And I hope to make this a bigger and bigger deal every year, annually, March 31st. Came out in 1999. One day, my hope is to be doing red carpet events, screening it in movie theaters. But for today, much smaller than that. But I wanted to get a hold of the rights to that so I could revitalize the franchise in comics. And then my hope was that they would see how well I was doing in the comics, and then they would... Um, let me be involved in the rebooting the film franchise. They said no. And the reason they said no was we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. So if we give you the, um, the rights and you smash it, everyone's going to think we're idiots because we needed an outsider to come in and reboot the franchise. And if you fail, then we're the idiots they gave it to an outsider who couldn't have possibly hoped to reboot the franchise. So I was like, yeah, I actually get that. So understanding where people are motivated um, that's really critical. And understanding that their biggest motivation isn't necessarily rebooting or not rebooting the franchise. Their big motivator is pleasing shareholders. <coughs> and so you really have to understand all of that stuff. And that, that was something that you just learned by doing it. So that's the other thing. I'm just getting out there and doing it. So having the booth at WonderCon was wildly instructive. Um, and by the way, if any of you out there, especially if you're on Instagram, if you are a fucking world-class artist, DM me, let me know what you're up to. I wanna see your artwork. People have started now pinging me that have fucking world-class art. It's amazing. So yeah, hit your boy up on Instagram. All right, guys, five-minute warning. Got time for a couple more. Sterling Stein, Facebook. Hi, Tom, how do you feel worthy of asking for a mentor? How do you get over feeling like you aren't an asset to them, can ask them for help, and they won't see you as some selfish kid who wants to drain them of their resources. So one, you need to be a value to them or don't go ask. And I wouldn't go ask if I didn't think that I could lend anything. So the thing that I had in the beginning was I was just willing to work in humanly smart. Now, the bad news is I didn't have this information. I was so fixed mindsetted. I didn't go and do this, but this would be my advice to you. If what you have is the ability to work really hard, which by the way, most people don't, they think they do. And then they get around me and they wilt like fucking flowers. So I'm saying if you for real have a work ethic that is second to none, that you are a diehard motherfucker and you are prepared to go all in and do whatever they ask without 
bitching, if it's take out the trash, obviously within your code of ethics, if you're working with a psychopath, but I'm saying if they want you to make them tea, coffee, taking out the trash that you're going to anticipate, that you're going to figure out what they need and that you're going to go hard, never complain, always a bundle of energy. Like people want to be around people like that. So if that's what you have to offer, go offer that. Be honest with what you have to offer. If that's all you've got, then offer that and they'll put you hopefully in a position that makes sense, but do that. And by the way, don't show up at their fucking house. People have done that to me. It's super fucking creepy. Don't do it. Hit them up. If they ignore you, so be it. Move on to the next person. But don't show up at their fucking house. You really weird their wife out. Let me start with that. Um, so, yeah, that's how you do it. All right. Cassandra Reese, and this is going to be the last one. How do I learn to complete something I start? I'm not sure if it's because I feel it's not for me, so I quit. But even so, I feel guilty for not completing that task. All right, so you need to understand the difference between a goal and a path. So the goal is like, this is my mission in life. This is what I care about. This is what I'm moving towards. This is my everything. It gives me more energy than it takes. It is the most beautiful thing I can think of. When I think about accomplishing that, I am filled with radiant energy, and I want to do that thing. A path, on the other hand, is like for me, building a studio. Building a studio is a path to pulling people out of the matrix. If I realize that it doesn't actually work, then I'm gonna stop doing it. So I will quit a path in a heartbeat, but my mission, my goal is something so intrinsic to me, something so fundamentally exciting and thrilling that you couldn't stop me from doing that if you wanted to. So the key is to build that thing into your life, to create something in your life that is that exciting for you. And that goes back to one of the earlier questions. It's all around how do you create a passion in your life. It has to do with experiencing a whole lot of things, not prematurely optimizing, experience, 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 finding something that captures your imagination, going hard on that thing, seeing if it turns into a real fascination. If it does, then you go down the path of gaining mastery in it but never confuse your path with your goal. If you're ditching paths, so be it. Also, I would recommend read the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. She talks about how some people just, they fall in love with that beginning part of the process and they just don't have the grit to see it through. And that is really hard to differentiate between am I just not being gritty and I just like to start something for a week or a couple months and then I'm on to the next thing? Or is it that I really just haven't found the right thing? If you're bouncing from thing to thing to thing without seeing them through, chances are you just haven't developed grit yet. So read that book by Angela Duckworth. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. Incredibly kind, incredibly generous. That means a lot to me. And hopefully some of you will join me in the celebration. Technically, tomorrow is The Matrix's birthday, which is March 31st, 1999. Uh, but we're going to be rocking it hard today. I hope that you guys will enjoy it. I think it's a perfect metaphor for human existence. All right. I'm not wearing one of my own shirts today, but I would like to remind you guys that you can go to shop.impacttheory.com right now and pick up some of our merchandise, which is powerful self-signaling. Go there inundate us with purchases that would be amazing that's one way to support the show and everything that we're doing all right guys if you haven't already be sure to subscribe which i think is over here if you're on facebook not sure where or on youtube not sure where it is if you're on facebook and until next time my friends be legendary peace out everybody thank you so much for listening and if this content is delivering value to you please go to itunes go to stitcher rate and review us that helps us build this community and that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.